Welcome back to another edition of the Acacia Covered Podcast brought to you by Capital Federal, uh, True Blue, our sponsor, and thanks to them. Uh, once again, this is Brent Maycock with Mac Moore, Scott Pask, and Rick Peterson here to talk about uh, what's going on in the spring and high school sports. There's a lot of them, and uh, we've had some some pretty good performances over the past couple of weeks since our last last podcast, and most notably, uh, some big track meets took place. Uh, last time we were on, we talked about the, the Shocker Pre-State Classic, and last weekend was the return of the KU Relays, you know, one of the most uh, prestigious track events in Kansas for a long time. This year was the 100th running of the Relays, and you know it's, it's had a lot of forms throughout the years where we used to have Olympians come and, and show off there, and it's kind of drifted away from that. But the one thing that's always remained is it's been a high-level high school competition, and we definitely saw that this uh, this past weekend in Lawrence. Uh, had beautiful uh, conditions on Friday. It was warm, pretty windy, but but warm and nice. And then Saturday was your typical uh, KU relays where we got the rain and the nasty weather that came in and ended up uh, causing the cancellation of some of the some of the later events on Saturday. But we got to see some impressive performances at the KU relays, and uh, you know, one of the most impressive is one that wasn't even a high school kid. It was uh, eighth grader Aria Pierce from Rock Creek. Um, you know, much has been made about her and and her abilities, and she she got to put them on display in, in Lawrence this past weekend, and and she didn't run in the high school competition. Instead, she ran in the open division, which is the collegiate division. And it's safe to say uh, she held her own there. She uh, she t- ends up taking second in the 100-meter dash and wins the 200-meter dash. And just impressive stuff by by area. She's, uh, you know, second all-time in the state state history in high school times for the 100, first all-time in the 200. And, and what she's done has been impressive. And, I you know, I got to see her firsthand for the first time, and so did Mac. And and man, she does not look like an eighth grade runner. That's for sure. She uh, she has the composure. She has the physical makeup that uh, you know. W- once she gets to high school, I mean, we're going to be talking about somebody that that's really going to do some special things. And Mac, I was blown away by by how she did. What what were your impressions of her? Yeah, I'd I'd say I agree that when you you know you could see her, you look and see her face, you could tell she's younger. But physically, she doesn't look out of place running with uh, college runners. And uh, you saw that just just physically. And then, you know, you see the times and and she was able to, to more than uh, hold her own. And, you know, I think anybody you talk to that was that would hear that and look at that, you know, they were just wondering, like, is this going to be an Olympian that we're talking about uh, very soon? Because she's just got that level of athleticism that early and no doubt forget what she can accomplish at the high school level I mean the the stuff she's going to uh, accomplish past high school is gonna probably uh be pretty cool as we we watch her keep going over the years yeah it'll be interesting to see how quickly she elevates herself to that level of competition whether uh you know whether she decides to kind of make that jump and try to compete uh internationally at, at a young age or if uh if she's gonna you know maybe go through some high school experience and, and enjoy being a, a kid before getting into all that uh you know it's, it's always a, a fine line to walk when you have an athlete uh, uh who is that special and and certainly area pierce from rock creek uh fits that bill so it'll be interesting 
to see uh, where her career goes and and to, to watch her progression as she uh, as she continues to cement herself as one of the best uh, best this state's ever seen on the track and and you know we saw some other great performances from kids currently in high school up at the KU relays uh, you know I wrote a little bit about some of my standouts from the area Lansing's Jamal Williams. Uh, he doesn't win the shot put or the discus, but he takes second in both and and posts the the best throw best throws in the state in the shot and then the second best throw in the state in the discus. And the, the thing about the discus was he pr'd by like 26 feet in, with his throw at the KU relays. Goes from a being in the 165s to throwing a 191.10, which is just a tremendous jump. I mean, you see guys make make big moves in those throwing events when they kind of kind of find it and put it all together and hit that next plateau. But I, I don't remember ever seeing anybody improve 25, 26 feet uh, in, in one event. And, and so that was pretty impressive to see with Lansing's Jamal Williams. Um, you know, we had uh, Tyson Rude from, from Baser Linwood. We talked about him a lot during basketball, uh, just the athleticism that jumped off the page at you. And, and he goes and, and has a great duel with Lansing's or uh, with uh, Mazes Alan Hanna in the high jump, both end up going six, nine and three quarters. Uh, Rude wins on fewer misses at, at his attempts. And so um, a great, uh, a great return to the track for him. He, he didn't, didn't go out for track last year because he was concentrating on getting a basketball scholarship and really putting in the work there, but he's back this year and, and him and Hannah will be a, a fun duel to watch for the five, a state title. Kind of like we got last year uh, in five, a with Hayes, Jordan Dale and, and uh, Mill Valley's uh, Andre it was Andre Diamond or Kendrick Jones. I think Kendrick Jones is who it was. So uh, you know another five A duel in the in the high jump, and then uh, DeSoto's Ella Kapling really was impressive in the triple jump, as was Topeka West's uh, Alessecchio Batson. Uh, both were the top Kansas finishers. Both uh, post the longest jumps in the state this year in the triple jumps, and then the pole vault competition was a great one where you had uh, Gardner Edgerton kid. Uh, takes the takes the title, the Carlisle kid from Gardner Edgerton on misses with uh, Andover Central's Ashton, uh, not Ashton, but Bryce Burkdahl. Ashton, his older brother, who was a state champion and record holder last year. Um, Ashton kind of made a name for the family. Well, well, Bryce is doing his best to make his own name. And and uh, after not winning at the KU Relays, he goes out uh, down in Wichita and, and does something special. And Scott, uh, Tell us a little bit about what Bryce uh, has accomplished uh, this week down down in Andover Central. Yeah, I got a I got a text from you, Brent, Tuesday night, and and it was kind of cryptic. It said, "Did, did you see what Barktel did in the pole vault?" And uh, so I immediately uh, uh, took a look, and and I suddenly wished I would have been at the Andover uh, Invitational Track Meet. Uh, uh, Bryce, of course, the younger brother of Ashton, who you mentioned, who's who's competing for KU right now, is a, one of the top freshman pole vaulters in the country, and and. Uh, uh, Bryce Bryce uh, finished second in the 5A pole vault last year to his older brother, and those and those two really put on a show. I mean, if you go back to the state track meet last May, that was uh, that was kind of the moment. That was one of the, those performances where everybody took notice of what was going on at that time. And and uh, Ashton, uh, the older brother, uh, set the the 5A meet record, cleared 16 feet. Uh, over 16 feet seven and, and uh, really had the crowd in the, in the palm of his hand. Well, Bryce has kind of taken, uh, you know, he, he's taken the, the ball and run with it. And they're, they're both the sons of, of uh, Ryan Bartle, who was a, a great pole vaulter, Missouri Valley Conference champion at Wichita State. He was a two-time All-American. He, he coaches, or he's, he's, he's been their coach. And, and uh, 
you know that that lineage is is definitely bearing fruit and 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 Bartle, uh, Bryce Bartle the other night uh, on a windy evening at the at, at Jaguar Stadium Central's home home track uh, goes 17 feet uh, three and a quarter uh, in the pole vault which is his previous best prior to that day was 16 feet just over 16 feet uh, at the Texas Relays uh, in the season opener uh, earlier this year and. And, you know, he raises that that personal best over a foot and that uh, that mark 17, three and a quarter. And we are, that is rarefied air for sure. He is now number two all time in Kansas. Uh, just I think just on in, un, underneath three inches uh, off of the all time mark of 17 feet six. Uh, that was set by Wyandotte Steve Stubblefield uh, uh, 43 years ago back in 1980. Uh, Stubblefield went on and competed at Arkansas State. Uh, as a track athlete, and and uh, now now Barkdale as a junior has already put himself in 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 the hunt for an all time mark in Kansas uh, at that seventeen three and a quarter uh, that leads the state obviously and, and is number two in the nation uh, this season uh, a kid in Kentucky who's got seventeen seven so uh, it was you know I had a had a chance to to catch up with Bryce on on Wednesday morning we're taping this here on Thursday and. And, uh, you know, first question to him was, did you have any trouble getting to sleep last night? And he said, yeah, it was about 2 a.m. He said, I was I was pretty pumped up. And, uh, you know, that 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 competition Tuesday, obviously, he said it started about four o'clock and he didn't get to jump probably until about six o'clock. He had, he waited for all the other competitors to to go through. And he he got into the competition at 15 feet, cleared that, uh, raised the bar to 16-1 to, to, to set a new personal best. No problem with that. And then he, he took set of sights on big brothers uh, school record which was the state performance last year at 167 and and uh surpassed that so uh three jumps in he he already had the school record and then it was kind of like okay where do we go from here uh he got got up to 17 feet and he said i cleared that pretty easily um and, and then his dad said well how you know where do you want to go and, and they, i think they were kind of unprepared maybe for the moment they weren't really aware of where the the next milestones were and that's that's kind of cool that's kind of the innocence of, of what happened there tuesday night and and uh uh but he clears 17 three and a quarter and there's there's video of it on the internet it's it's a, it's one of those cool moments where where the crowd is into it and and uh, he's pretty excited when uh, you know he, he skimmed the bar right at the peak I think it maybe hit his knee or his thigh, and, and it, uh, the the bar rattled a little bit. But uh, he was able to to keep it on there, and and uh, uh, you know got a got a clearance now that really makes you wonder. Okay, just where can he go from here? And and uh, had a chance to visit with him on the phone the other day, and uh, you know we talked about the progress that he's made in the past year. You know, a year ago um, he he was about two and a half feet behind where he cleared Tuesday. Uh, so we talked about that progress and the season he's had so far, and and kind of where does he go from here? And, and here's some of my conversation with Andover Central Junior Bryce Barkle. I, I just want to back. I, I've been going through your tire, your your marks this morning, and just kind of looking back to where you were. You know, you, a year ago today, in fact, you competed at the Andover Invitational. I think you were you went. You PR at fourteen eight there. I, we're, we're talking two and a half feet in a year. You know, basically yeah. three hundred sixty five days. I, I I just wanted to ask you, really, can you can you explain, you know, what, you know, the, what, what do you credit the progress? You know, how, are you stronger? Are you fat? I mean, what's the what, what what's kind of been the secret here? So a lot of it has just been working on my strength, working on my getting, 
getting faster, getting in the weight room every day, getting stronger, um, working on my arms and my core. My core has been a big part that helps me get upside down and really get the most out of the pulls that I have. Yeah. And the faster I get, the bigger pulls I can get on, and I'm finally actually perfecting my form too. I've just been working really hard. I started my season in August, and I didn't even get on a runway until November. Okay. I had been working on speed and uh, strength for, I don't know, August or November, what's that, three, four months? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just been a lot of hard work. I love the sport so much, and it's, I'm glad to see the hard work has finally paid off. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Have you, have you added some, some weight, some, some, you know, significant muscle to, to, to your frame since last year? Um, well, I think I'm out of cut a little fat down and I've gained a little bit of muscle, gotcha. but I stayed around the same way. Okay, okay. I was going to ask you, because I, I know you went down to Texas Relays and, and, you know, cleared 16 right out of the gate. Did that, I mean, was that, did that just kind of set, set you up for, you know, maybe I can maybe do some bigger things this year than, than even I expected or, or... How significant was getting over 16? Because I know 15 is where you you got 15 at state for the first time, right, last year? Yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, um, 16 was a really big bar for me. <laughs> I, um, it wasn't very pretty going over, but I had a lot of height over it. Uh-huh. And I was just kind of running out of poles at that point. We didn't have any bigger poles. Okay. So I was just uh, clearing as high as I could with what I had. And, uh, yeah, it was really surprising that I got over it. Even though I knew I had it in me, it's just I was really glad we finally put it together. I had been chasing that 16 foot bar all indoor season, and um, it just it was really nice to see it finally happen. Especially got a really huge meet like Texas Relays, yeah. and we got the crowd going and everything. I got I think third place off of misses. It was really exciting to just be down there with the perfect weather, the perfect wind, yeah. really good conditions. Yeah, you mentioned the I was going to ask about yesterday because I know that was just kind of a crazy. Did, did that have any effect, uh, you know, on, on what you were able to do yesterday? Oh, definitely. Because especially with our boarded runways, because that gives you a little bit of extra power, a little is there more bouncy that lets you run faster. Okay. And um, with the boarded runways plus the wind, I was able to get on my biggest pole and actually put a put good jumps together and finally. Um, make new heights, especially with that wind. That wind, I created most of my stuff to the wind yesterday. I see. That was perfect wind, I would say. I see. Well, I mean, pole bolt is just one of those events that kind of leads itself to being the, the, the you know, big show. Uh, you know, kind of a, a, the crowd gets into it and all that. And I know after what you and Ashton did last last year at, uh, at State, I mean, that, you guys had the everybody you guys had the crowd in your in, in your in your hand there um you know it looked like it yesterday there everybody kind of knew what was going on too is that kind of part of what drives you a little bit is that if you can get the crowd going and uh, how much of a factor was that for you yesterday yeah i'd say the crowd also really helps me out it gives me a lot of energy and it's that adrenaline flow and i can feel it my cheeks tingle <laughs> and my face tingle when i hear the clap up going yeah. and i'm running on the runway it just it makes me feel so much faster and more alive. I see. And it really it's um, it's an amazing feeling when I get the crowd going and I'm 
all jazzed up too. Yeah. That's awesome. I see. Well, you were at KU last week, and how, 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 you know, just to compete in that kind of field where you've got a lot of guys who are kind of your equal, um, you know, was that just a good a good meet for kind of making your next step, I guess, as far as just kind of being in the middle of a, of a battle with a bunch of guys doing the same height? And, and, uh, uh, were you happy? I mean, did you come away from Lawrence pretty happy with how you performed there? Or? I thought I could do better. Um, I was still... Uh, I couldn't really get on the biggest poles, and I was kind of feeling slow that day, but the wind, the wind also was pretty good, but still, it was, uh, it was a decent day, it was a lot of fun, because I got a bunch of friends up in Lawrence, yeah. and um, it was, uh, I, one of my good friends, Andrew Kirby, he was, I think he cleared 15-11 with me, okay. and a really good competition, and I like those big meets where I'm not coming in after everyone else is done, I don't have to wait. I would rather every meet be like Texas Relays or KU Relays, where I'm in the middle of the pack and just like going straight from the warm-ups into the jumps and I'm just having fun with the guys and not just watching until everybody else is done. Yeah, yeah. Kind of brings out the best in you a little bit. Probably are a better way to compete, I see. Well, has Big Brother given you any grief for breaking a school record and blowing past his, his hype from last year? Or? <laughs> He's actually really excited that I cleared uh, 17 3 and that um, my hard work has paid off and that I finally put up a big bar. Yeah. And uh, now that colleges might be looking at me a little bit, yeah. he's really excited for what I can do also. I see. Well, and I was going to ask kind of my last question here for you. Does, you know, last, does last night change goal, any goals for this season? Uh, you know, I mean, does, obviously you, you closed in on the – you're really close to the, the all-time Kansas mark now, and I mean, is that, are, are there are, are there different goals maybe when, when you woke up this morning than there, than there were yesterday? Um, I have about a hundred sticky notes on my wall in my bedroom that are all motivational. Uh, put up big bars, run faster, invert better, um, stuff like that. And one of a couple of them have marks that were. 15, 6, 15, 9, 16 feet, uh, 5 meters, and 5, 10. Uh-huh. And then I just crossed those off and made a new sticky note that said uh, 535, which is 17, 6, yeah. and then 18 feet, and then a bunch of question marks on the rest of the sticky note. Because I don't know what, really what I want. I'm, I think I want to get 18 feet this year that might be feasible. Mm-hmm. And I think I can really do it. If I get on bigger poles, which I think I can, I can, I can sneak over 15, 18 feet this year. So there you have it. Uh, you know, a kid thinks an 18-foot Kansas high school pole vault doesn't seem so far-fetched now. And that was Andover Central pole vaulter Bryce Barkdale, who, who now holds the number two spot all-time in Kansas and the number two spot nationally this season after clearing 17 three and a quarter uh, at the Andover Invitational two nights ago on, on April 18th. And, uh, you know, he'll certainly be one of those individuals to watch as we head into the final month of the high school track season. Yeah, what blows me away is that he said 17 was easy. That's just, <laughs> 17 is kind of the, the the gold standard of pole vault. And he said, I got over that one pretty easily. That's just, wow. <laughs> Most 
yeah, the conversation has definitely definitely changed in regard to you know I can remember when fifteen feet was a big deal in the pole vault, and it didn't it didn't seem like it was that long ago, and and here we are. So, uh, great performance by by Bryce. Yeah, you definitely, uh, you know, there's nothing better at, at the state track and field meet, too, when you get those high jumpers and pole vaulters going for those elite uh, elite levels and those those seven-foot marks in the high jump or, you know, 16, 17 feet in the pole vault, and they're going after records. And, you, and especially if it's on a Saturday when everybody's there all at once and you got the whole crowd uh, working Don stuff and whipping them into a frenzy and and, uh, you know, it's just that it, it, it's fun. And, and uh, you know, I, I can't imagine the adrenaline rush the, the competitor gets from being in a moment like that. So it'll be cool to see uh, see what uh, what he can do at state track this year, because I know Ashton last year, like you said, that was one of the that was one of the showpiece moments of the state outdoors last year was it was Ashton uh, going after that 5A state record with with the guy uh, from Carroll who, whose record he beat, I believe was there in attendance, urging him to urging him and, and cheering him on to, to, to break that mark. So uh, we look forward to seeing what, what Bryce can do. Uh, and then, you know, also with the KU relays, we had some other uh, great performances. The, uh, the Parrish brothers from away from North went out and did what they did. But one that really jumped out at me was uh, Pleasanton's Isaiah Bates. Uh, you know, here, it's not often you see Kansas sprinters winning the hundred at the KU relays. And it's very, very rare. And I don't remember it ever happening when you see a small school Kansas runner going and winning the hundred meter dash at the, at the KU relays. But Isaiah Bates said, "Uh, this is mine. And, you know, he was a state champion last year uh, for Pleasanton and class two a, and then he goes out and, and with a, with a good wind at his back, uh, he, uh, he goes out and runs a 10, four, one, uh, 100 meter dash to win the KU relays title. That's number 11 all time in Kansas history. And I mean, it was, it was impressive to see, uh, you know, I saw him win his heat on Saturday, but I didn't get to see the finals on or uh, heat on Friday, but I didn't get to see the finals on Saturday. And Mac, uh, you were there for a little bit on Saturday. Did, um, you, did you catch that race and get to see, you get to see his winning performance? Yeah. He, and he was just as fast, uh, on Saturday, even as, uh, everybody else, you know, you could look at the times as it got cold, uh, storm was coming in. And honestly, it was just, there was a lot of malaise on that Saturday as the KU relays was ended with a little bit of a, of a whimper, but, uh, he didn't slow down. He went just as fast and that's considering, uh, he got second in the, the prelims behind, uh, Zach hood of Rockbridge. Um, and, uh, that kid didn't run in the final because there was a lot of do not starts of people that just went home uh, instead of competing in that final day. And that didn't matter to Isaiah. You normally, you, you, you get pushed because you have that really fast person next to you. And he was upset that he didn't get that chance to come back and beat him the next day. Uh, but he wasn't going to, to let that affect him. He ran just as fast. And, you know, we look at it and we talked about it because it's a surprise because it's Pleasanton. But for him, I mean, he doesn't feel like an underdog at all. This is kind of the level he's been running at for, for a couple years now. And, you know, he... He said that, uh, you know, originally he wasn't even sure if he liked track. His dad uh, is uh, has competed at the college level and was a distance runner that, uh, you know, wanted his kid to, to get into to track. And, and, you know, when it started out, uh, Isaiah wanted to be a basketball star. He was hoping to go to college for that. And then 
uh, as he got closer to high school, he started to realize he wasn't quite able to to do that on the basketball court, but he started to to see what he could do as a as a sprinter. And uh, I think his dad said that it was only a couple years ago that you know they started working on actually using the blocks to to improve his time. And now he's right up there with the top kids in the state. And, you know, uh, he, he's got the, the two uh, state titles in the 100 meter, uh, but he was first in the prelims for the 200 meter last year. Uh, and then I think he I think it was a hamstring he pulled. Uh, so he didn't compete in the finals. But uh, this is a, a kid that for both the 100 meter and 200 meter dash, he's got some 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 really high goals. And, you know, in talking with him, uh, he had decided to go to uh, Fort Scott. Uh, as, and when he was looking at schools, you know, he wanted uh, something close by, but also uh, he was looking for other kids that were top. He didn't want to go someplace and just be the best sprinter they had. And the school has, you know, five or six guys that are uh, sub 11 and the 100 meters. So he wants to go somewhere where he knows day in and day out he's going to be pushed. So uh, he got a little bit of that experience at the KU relays, and uh, no doubt that'll be something that you know going into his his college career he'll he'll want to have that be consistently where he's at. And uh, I have no doubt he'll be able to push himself to the top of that group as well when he gets there because he's uh, extremely dedicated and just had uh, you know this really great performance at the the KU relays and uh, a few of the other ones you're talking. Uh, the Parrish brothers, uh, it, it, it's tough to keep up. You got to remember which one's in which, but uh, Jason got first in the 300 hurdles. Uh, Josh took second. Uh, he also took second. Uh, Josh took second in the long jump and in the 110 hurdles. Uh, and then I think Jason got third in the 110, which was crazy because I know I saw him. He took down three consecutive hurdles, and I still think he was like, uh, 0.4 seconds behind his brother uh, for for third there. And honestly, if you could survive three hurdles, I can only imagine how fast you would have gone if you didn't hit all three of them. And I mean, they went flat down. They, he didn't just hit them and they came back. Those are flat on the ground. He just took them out, never stopped, kept going. Uh, and and so, you know, those two will definitely, they already had a great year this, this last year and no doubt going into state this year, uh, they, they're going to make a lot of noise. Um, another one I talked to was, uh, Wyatt Houghton for Shawnee Mission East, and he ends up getting first in the 800 meter and the 1600 meter races, uh, a little bit closer in the 800 meter. That's when he went up against, uh, Clay Shively of Wichita Trinity. And I mean, man, Clay was in the lead and this is what happens. We talked about this cross country season. Uh, it's a little crazier when you can do it at the end of a cross country race, but still fun to watch, uh, in, in these middle distances. But, uh, his, his coaches call it the Wyatt. Uh, when you get to that final hundred meters, everybody else, it's, it, I mean, you're either keeping the same pace or maybe you're slowing down a little bit. He puts on the afterburners and he shot past Clay there, got the finish, and he gave everything he had to do it. Uh, he collapsed at the end, goes down to the track, and uh, Clay ends up coming up, patting him on the shoulders, and they hug afterwards. Uh, those two, anytime they're in a race together, expect uh, some some crazy stuff to happen because uh, they can just go. And, uh, you know, I, I've talked about it before and I'm still excited for it. 
both of them are hoping to to put their best foot forward in the 1600 meter at the Shawnee Mission North Relays. Both have that goal of doing the sub four minute mile. And when you see what they can do while they're running every race, they're going out there for all of these middle and long distance races and still able to put that top time. I can only imagine what they do if they go out for one 1600 meter and just give it their all because both those two are uh, amazing competitors. And uh, another race where we saw uh, a pretty good finish one, two like that, uh, the 400 meter. And that's where Nin Matlock coming in from Mill Valley. uh, He's had the top time this year and uh, he took the first in the prelims, but it was Alex Waldy of St. Thomas Aquinas uh, who just, edges him out in the final. Uh, he got a four, uh, 48, 67, uh, to, to Matlock's 48, 73. And that one was just, I, I got a nice picture there where Waldy goes over the cross and you just see Matlock, like look over at him like, damn, but I, I can, I know Matlock's not going to end it there. The, he's going to come back and want to be able to not just take the, the top time back in the state. He, he, he can't wait till he gets Waldy to, to try to uh, get some a little bit of revenge there. Um, on the the girls' side, uh, it was all about the long distances and the relays uh, and in the individual ones. Uh, for my area, Shawnee Mission Northwest Paige Mullen, she took first in the uh, 3,200 meter, had to hold off uh, Caitlin Rupi of uh, Salina Central. And then for Shawnee Mission Northwest, they had a little one-two there for the – 3,200 meter because on the boys side, uh, Henry Bourne ends up taking second as the top Kansas runner uh, in that one. And then for uh, girls, uh, uh, Chesney Peterson uh, ends up uh, doing quite well over the the two days. And I'm trying to pull up her times, but uh, in uh, the 3,200 meter, you know, the, you had this great back and forth, Mullen and Rupee. Those same competitors were in the 1600 meter uh, with with Peterson. And Peterson, it it doesn't even look like a race by the end. Uh, you know, like she she just is so far ahead. But Paige Mullen fought through, caught up, got that gap down to four seconds. But Peterson takes it with a a 4:56.16, and uh, Paige Mullen just. Uh, she, just barely misses breaking that sub five mark. Uh, but definitely somebody that, you know, I Peterson has so much already. And when you talk about iron sharpening iron, there's just so many girls that are trying everything they can do to catch up. And you're seeing these top times from somebody like Paige Mullen, just doing everything she can to, to catch up. So uh, absolutely stacked uh, long distance races there uh, to say nothing of a late the West sending uh, like five or six at a time. And they weren't even in the 3,200 meter. They put all their marbles in the, the 800 meter, but uh, any of those races just uh, from top to bottom, they're, they're stacked. So it means that much more when you can see somebody like Peterson just uh, glide to the, the finish, the, the way that she did um, looking through, I think uh, trying to think if there was any more that stood out. Uh, Brent already hit a few of those with uh, Carlisle for Gardner Edgerton. Just uh, a, a lot of not just great performances, but really great to see them when there's that many there. And they're not just facing the next best Kansas kid, but uh, 
they they all want so badly if there's a top kid from Missouri or Iowa or whatever the next state, uh, you could just see them push a little bit harder because they, they definitely don't want to lose to them. So KU Relay is always uh, a fun event and very glad it was it was back this year after uh, those few years of the pandemic uh, taking that away. Absolutely. It's always good to have that that meet and and you know mac touched on that 800 boys rate with houghton and and shively and both of them run sub 152s which is just ridiculous times uh you know if each of them can do that at state track they'll they'll easily take the uh take the state records down in that you know the 6a boys the state record at the state meet was a 152 34 by winston tidwell well Houghton beats that by almost a second at the ku relays and then the 3a records a 154 20 and Shively certainly will be in the in the ballpark of taking that down if he can get anybody to push him just a little bit to where he can get out there and be fast. But expect that that record by Heston's Justin Rempel from 2000 to be in serious danger. And then Winston Tidwell's from 1993 for Topeka West. You know, those two marks are are going to be in trouble at the at the state meet and uh just uh, yeah, that's that's always the fun thing about the KU relays or the or the Shocker pre-state or the Shawnee Mission North relays that'll come up is seeing seeing big schools, small schools, out of state, in state, you know, just seeing high level competition that that uh, you just don't always get to see. So it's always great to have have the KU relays back and um, and then one of the guys that that didn't have a great KU relays and then comes has a great meet going in and a great meet coming out is Beloit's Grady Seifert. Uh, one of the state's top football players the past few years. He's planning to go to KU. He comes from a family of, of throwers out there in Beloit and a school that produces great thrower after great thrower. Well, Grady breaks the uh, school discus record uh, early last week before going to the KU relays that throws uh, over 195 using the exact same discus of the guy that set the record 25 years earlier. So that's kind of cool. And then this week he comes out and uh, is the first boy in Kansas this year to go over 60 feet in the shot put. So uh, expect a story uh, next week from me on on the, both the Cyphers because his sister Tatum was the top Kansas performer at the KU Relays in the shot put. Uh, she ended up taking second overall and had the best throw in the state this year. So the brother-sister act there from Beloit uh, – doing some big things and both positioning themselves to uh, to become state champions uh, later on this spring. Um, uh, guys, any other track performances from, from your area, Ricky or Scott, that has stood out this week? I know, you know, with it's kind of hard to shine when you have the KU relays and then and then Barkdahl goes down to the Andover meet and really, you know, tur- turns everybody's heads in the state. But, uh, you know, there's obviously great performances across the state and anything uh, that jumped out to you guys from your area? Yeah, I'll give one shout out. Let's try to jump in there, Ricky, I, to, to Wichita Heights senior, uh, the wheelchair racer, Grant Pierce, who uh, uh, Mac mentioned that 3,200 up at the KU relays. And, and Grant got the opportunity to compete against the, uh, you know, the 24 able-bodied runners in that, in that race. And there were runners from, from multiple States there. A lot of, a lot of top runners from, from around the, around the region. And, and uh, you know, Grant, Grant's a, a past true blue student of the week for us here. Um, last fall and and uh, he's just he, he's he's you know i we've documented his story he's he's a trailblazer he's uh you know the the state track meet has has offered the 100 and 400 meter wheelchair races in the last two years and and grant has kind of been the the 
the the guy in the spotlight for that. He's won he's won those events at, at both state meets and and uh, gets an opportunity to 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 blaze a little new territory up the KU relays and actually wins that 3200 uh, competing against the the 24 uh, runners. Um, you know he he competes in everything from the 100 to the 3200. He Grant is a world class wheelchair athlete. Uh, you know last fall he went to Portugal and and competed for Team USA in the International Wheelchair and Amputee World Games and, and finished third in the 400-meter uh, the race there. So that's the caliber of, of athlete Grant is, and, and uh, he gets this opportunity to, to compete against, you know, in, in, this, in, in the big meet at the KU Relays. And, and you know, he, he kind of walks that fine line where wh- what he does, he wants it to become normal. I mean, that's, that's what he is striving for. He's wanting what wheelchair racers to become more mainstream and – uh, but he also realizes the the, the torch that he carries uh, as a wheelchair racer. And I think I had a chance to talk with him the other day and, uh, after he got back from Lawrence. And uh, he was really proud, you know, really proud to win that race. And, and uh, you know, he he talked about the, the challenge of doing that because he doesn't want to, you know, when he's competing, he doesn't want to infringe on that, you know, that pack of runners that, that is, you know, is, are going through those tactical things and trying to, to, to jockey for position coming around curves and things like that. But, uh, you know, he, he showed his ability, you know, he, he got, uh, you know, really kind of, uh, in a man and man on man situation with Henry Bourne from Shawnee Mission Northwest there in the last few laps and, and down the stretch, uh, you know, pushes his way to a 62 second final quarter and ends up winning that race by, by five seconds. And then Henry you know, ran a great time as well in the 922, 923 range. So, uh, you know, really, kind of a, another step in in a in a great uh, in the great history, high school history, anyway, of of Grant Pierce. Yeah, and I I would like to mention uh, Alec Carlson when when you're talking about some of the the best small school track athletes in the state. I think you gotta you gotta start with uh, Alec Carlson from uh, Pawnee Heights. Uh, just everybody knows he's a really great basketball player. Uh, you know. Starting out, I mean, he kind of had a love-hate relationship with uh, track and field. Uh, you know, he said when the freshman season got canceled in 2020, he, he really didn't mind so much because he just, you know, tr- track and field was kind of like a chore for him. He didn't, he didn't really love it. But then, uh, you know, his sophomore year, he started putting up some really good marks in, in all his jumping events. And uh, this year, obviously, he had a really great performance in, in, in Wichita at the, the uh, pre-state pre-shocker pre-state meet and uh you know swept the high jump long jump and triple jump uh he's the reigning state champion in the triple jump uh, and putting up good numbers uh in the long and high jump as well so uh, he's he's a guy that can definitely by himself put Pawnee Heights in the in the conversations to win a win a team title um I think last year they finished fourth um and this year he's concentrating on javelin as well so that gives him another another event that he can that he can put some points up so uh yeah I, I mean just a really incredible athlete uh you know he started he started trying maybe thinking about going to track and field in college but um at the end of the day he just loves basketball so he's going to play at a uh, Colby Community College and then uh you know I wanted to give a a shout out so one guy that people may not know about um in the in the long jump uh Kimani Archie from Hayes he he arrived in Hayes uh, his junior year um a transfer from Georgia uh wasn't eligible to compete until the track and field season uh, late, uh, last year um 
this year uh, in football uh, really turned in a good good season at receiver, and uh, he's going to go play football at Fort Hayes State. But in the long jump, uh, I believe he still has he's still number one in the state in the long jump. Um, early in the season, he put up a jump of twenty four feet seven and a half inches. So he's kind of a guy that uh, that people may not be aware of, but I think uh, I think he's, he might turn some heads at state. That's a good uh, some good coverage of track there. Uh, from the past couple of weeks, and we'll turn our attention to some other sports. And guys, is there any anything that just jumps at you at you from any of the other uh, spring sports to kind of kick off uh, some of the other stuff? Yeah, I mean, just down here in the Wichita area, we move into the move into the diamond. I just a lot of things have popped up here in the Wichita area in the, in, in softball for me. And and right now, uh, just kind of looking at each class, each class has some, has some teams that have kind of. Uh, you know, moved into the spotlight here as we, we hit the home stretch of the regular season. And, uh, you know, up in 6A, Derby's girls are a perennial state qualifier under under their longtime coach, Christy Weavey. And, and right now they're the they're the lone 6A unbeaten team in the western half of the state at 12-0. And, and they're coming off a victory in a, in a quadrangular up at McPherson. Uh, McPherson had a good record. They had only one loss, and, and they defeated McPherson 11-4. Uh, in the championship game of that quad, and and snap McPherson's eight game winning streak. So so Derby's one of those teams I mentioned, and then uh, you know in five A right now, uh, Bishop Carroll is is ten and zero, and and uh, just running rough shot on on the city league. You know they're eight and zero in league play, and uh, you know they've they've outscored their league foes pretty incredible, one hundred twenty eight to nothing right now, uh, and they they play Wichita Northwest tonight, so that probably will change. Northwest should be able to to give them a little bit of a battle. The Grizzlies are are six and zero in the city league, and and you know they've outscored their opponents one hundred fifteen to one. So uh, you know that that city league doesn't ha- traditionally have a lot of depth, and 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 that's probably the case again this year. But Carroll and Northwest will will be able to to test themselves here tonight as we, as we take this on on April 20th and then uh, you know moving down to 5A uh, just wanted to give a shout out to, to May South the Mavericks snapped to you know the five reigning 5A champion Valley Center's 31 game winning streak on Tuesday night uh, got a nine to seven victory to, to get a doubleheader split uh, May South scored three at the top of the seventh to win that and and kind of healed some wounds from the opening game. Uh, you know, they led by by three going into the the bottom of the seventh in the opener. And Valley Center scored four times to 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 get get the victory in that game. So, uh, you know, Valley Center eleven and one, May South nine and three. Those are two pretty good teams in five A as we head to the final month of the season. And, and May South with a with a big feather in its cap by knocking off a team that had a had a long winning streak. Um, you know, in four A, Mulvane has really emerged as a team to watch this season. Uh, you know they share the best record in in 4A West with Pratt right now at 11 and one and and uh, really took it to Clearwater the other night. Uh, Clearwater a 4A state qualifier last year. Mulvane beat them nine to nothing and eight to one and and they've also swept Rose Hill this year. Uh, those are the the Rockets' only two losses of the season. So a good season brewing uh, in in Mulvane as well and and uh, you know just down to down the smaller classes. There's a really good regional shaping up. Uh, in Class 3A with with Haven, uh, Haven and Cheney are undefeated, and, and Wichita Trinity is at nine and one, uh, and then Kingman, uh, a state qualifier last year, is at eight and two. So, uh, three, four, four pretty good teams in one regional, and, and only one of them is, is going to make it to state uh, out of that. So that's that's kind of one thing I'll be keeping an eye on here in the in the final month, and then uh, that Class 2-1A. <laughs> In softball, I was noticing just looking at records, it looks like there's seven teams that are 12 and 0 at this point in the season, and and 
so uh, that that should make for an interesting state tournament at, at this point. And right now, Oxford is in the Wichita area is one of those schools. So uh, wanted to give a shout out to them. But that that's uh, um, you know just kind of as we were putting together our notes for this podcast, I just noticed there were a lot of teams in, in the uh, in the Wichita area in softball who who have some pretty glistening records still at this point, and, and just wanted to give them a mention. I was just going to say in my area, uh, Holcomb softball, I wrote about them this week. Um, you know, last week was a big week for them. Uh, you know, they have met uh, Scott City in the regional final the last two years. Um, in 2021, Holcomb beat them and, and got their first state tournament appearance last year. Uh, Scott City avenged that avenged that loss and went to state. But uh, I was really kind of looking forward to seeing how that those games would, would go. Um Holcomb uh, rallied for a 3-2 win in the first game and then uh, won 6-1 in the second game. Um, really great pitch- pitching matchups in those. Uh, Holcomb's Corin Johnson, I mean, she's she's just kind of a strikeout machine. She's already got eight, 80 strikeouts this year in, uh, in 49 innings pitched. Um, and, then Hol- and then Holcomb has a really good catcher, too, and Ryan Rodriguez. Um, so, uh, you know, I really... I really think that that regional could be pretty, a pretty good regional too, especially uh, considering the history between Holcomb and, and Scott City, um, and then Scott City Cheyenne Kramer is just a tre- tremendous pitcher too. So that that was kind of a highlight for for the area, and then uh, also Buckland, uh, they picked up a big sweep against uh, Spearville this week. Uh, Haley Feichert is just a tremendous, tremendous hitter. I think she's hitting close to 700 this year, and she's got several home runs. And uh, Sydney Jones is also a really good hitter for them. So, uh, yeah, big week for Buckland. And then uh, real quick touching on baseball, uh, you know, Hayes – Hayes lost a tremendous uh, player in Dylan, Dry- Dylan Dryling, who's now playing for Tennessee. Um, you know they they were able to clinch the whack uh, yesterday with a with a sweep of Dodge City, so a solid season for them. And then uh, you know Elkhart is just kind of ro- rolling along. Uh, they went to ten and zero, uh, and their pitcher Cage Ralston uh, set the career record for uh, strikeouts for that program. He's already at. 215 and still and still counting so that that kind of covers a little bit of baseball and softball in my area yeah in my area uh just wrote a story published it last night and out on out on twitter and on our Keisha covered website on Wamigo's Peyton Hardenberger you know last year as a freshman she was outstanding uh 10 10 and 0 record a sub 0.5 ERA and you think man as a freshman, she set the bar pretty high. Well, this year she, she's already already clearing that bar uh, through five starts. Uh, she's five and zero and has allowed four hits all season. She she hasn't allowed a run. Uh, she started the year with three straight no hitters before uh, before giving up one hit uh, a couple weeks ago. And in that game, she only struck out nineteen in that in that one that one hitter. And then this past week, she gave up three hits to Concordia but she ends up striking out 21 in the game to set a school record with 21 strikeouts. And so this season she's faced 105 batters and struck out 85 of them. Uh, that's, that's just uh, ridiculous. Obviously a uh, 0.00 ERA. She's only walked three batters. So she's basically allowed seven base runners in her, uh, in her games this year. And that's just, that's just insane. And, and she also swings it pretty good hitting 657. 
uh, got her first career home run the other night in that in that uh, doubleheader sweep at Concordia and Wamigo. Uh, they were state champs two years ago, lost in the semifinals to Bishop Miege last year. But boy, they're looking impressive this year. They're ten and zero. Maya Gallagher's their their other pitcher, who's a she'd be an ace on every other team, and she she's been the ace for Wamigo for for most of her career and. And even last year, she she was the one that got the ball in the semifinal game and not Hardenberger. And uh, Gallagher's five and zero with a one point two nine ERA and and has four home runs and, and eighteen RBIs for the offense. So while Migo has a has a great team this year, they're the only undefeated team left in Class Four A, and uh, they're really just uh, going out and Hardenberger throws in the upper sixties. So that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, they said uh, you know she's worked on some new pitches, but hasn't really had to use them because she just overpowers everybody with uh, with her fastball. And so uh, she's been off to a great start. Some other teams in, in my area, uh, you know, Scott talked about all those undefeated teams down in, in Class 2-1A. Well, a bulk of them are in my area. St. Mary's is undefeated. Uh, you got Central Heights is 12-0. They had a big uh, big doubleheader coming up with Osage City, which after going 6-15 and last year, Osage City's 10-1 this year. So Nice little turnaround for the Indians, and that'll be a big, big doubleheader uh, coming up next week. Uh, Central Heights just beat West Franklin this past week, and with West Franklin's out to the best start it's had in its program history. And then also McLeod and Troy. Uh, McLeod, uh, strong softball tradition under Ballard Patterson up there. And then Troy, uh, state runner-up last year in Class 2-1A. And those two are in the same same regional, so – they're on a collision course for uh, you know later this year. Right now, both of them just steamrolling through people. Peyton Engelman, the great pitcher for for Troy, uh, had another no hitter uh, this year. Last year, she had the immaculate perfect game where she struck out every batter she faced in the game, um, and you know just continuing it this year. And then McLeod, uh, Chris Abandle, and and others uh, really put put together a nice season for for that program. So uh, you know they're off to great starts. Silver Lake. Um, you know, kind of last year they were, they were just 15 and seven, which from a lot of schools, that's a pretty good record for Silver Lake that, that qualifies as a down year for them. And so, uh, but they're bounced back really strong this year. They're 10 and 0 right now. They beat, uh, Baser Linwood, which is runner up in class 5A the last two years. They swept them earlier this season, uh, swept Rossville, which was, uh, at state last year, fourth place finishing team at state last year. And so Silver Lake back to being, uh, back to being Silver Lake, uh, Southeast Saline's 11 and one Santa Fe trail is nine and three. Uh, I mentioned Osage city, 10 and one Beloit's 11 and one and, uh, Beloit senior pitcher, Chloe Odell, uh, just recorded her 300th career strikeout this past week. So, uh, she's got three no hitters this year as well. Uh, she's just having an outstanding season, an outstanding career, and Beloit is now eleven and one right now. And and then turn into baseball, um, you know, some, obviously the great performances continue. Clay Center, uh, team that last year they made to state two years ago, they were runner up in Class Four A. This year they're off to the best start in program history. Returned all but one player off last year's team, and they're twelve and zero. Uh, right now, just picked up a big sweep of Abilene, winning one of the games nine, eight, and ten innings on a walk-off home run by Carter Long. Uh, already swept Wamigo, which is a big sweep, and uh, they're on their way to 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 uh, another great season. They'll face Rock Creek later on in the year in a couple weeks. Rock Creek's ten and zero right now, and so um, you know, those two teams are two of the top teams in, in Class Four A. Um, Manhattan uh, always a powerhouse in baseball. They're nine and zero this year. 
uh, just came up with a, a some big wins, a big win over Washburn Rural last night, eighteen to two, in in the game, and and already has swept Hayden and Junction City and uh, Topeka High. So they're, uh, they're they'll be your Centennial League champions as long as they take care of business against Emporia, which is winless right now. So uh, those are some of the top baseball and softball teams from North Central Kansas area. Yeah, looking at uh, my area with uh, softball, I just. Got out to a pretty good one, uh, Olathe Northwest versus Shawnee Mission North, and uh, that one was a, just a great pitcher duel, uh, Shawnee Mission North with Kelsey Hoekstra and uh, Olathe Northwest with Bree Severino, and uh, you know it, it went about as you'd expect with just a bunch of strikeouts from both of those, but uh, Olathe Northwest broke through early, and it was actually uh, Severino that gets one on Hoekstra uh, getting a homer uh, in the second, and so they went up one, and you know it looked like it might end there. Uh, neither one let anything else happen until in the seventh. Uh, Shawnee Mission North starts getting going a little bit and is able to get one run in to push it into to extra innings. And uh, then in the uh, in the eighth, uh, it was it went the other way, and Olathe Northwest was able to to, to get some uh, girls on base. And uh, at the end, uh, ended up having uh, Claire Lopez hit a line drive double uh to 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 send one in and and get that victory and it puts Olathe Northwest at the top of the Sunflower League right now uh a half game lead over uh Olathe West who they beat uh earlier in the season those are the two uh one loss teams in uh the 6A East so uh, a huge victory there and uh just Looking around at a, a few of the other uh, spots, uh, Aquinas right now is holding uh, to the top of the EKL. Uh, only losses this year, again, that uh, late the West and then one against Free State. So still undefeated in, in EKL uh, play right now. Uh, as you moving down to the smaller classes, uh, a, a big one is uh, the – Fort Scott and uh, or Frontenac and Columbus uh, are teams that actually baseball and softball. Uh, those are the the two teams that are sitting at the top of the CNC league. And uh, just so far in the the year, uh, both uh, all four of those teams have been and really great. Uh, and, and so it'll be definitely interesting to, to, to watch how that plays out going forward. Um, looking at, at, at baseball, uh, a little bit of a surprise. Uh, Blue Valley Northwest got off to a pretty slow start, 1-3 and three record on the year. Uh, but they fared well in league play, uh, gone undefeated so far, got uh, a huge 10-0 victory over reigning 5A champ Blue Valley Southwest. Uh, then got a 6-1 win over reigning 6A champ Blue Valley West. So uh, right now the Huskies look tough in the, the early going, but they, they fought through it and right now have themselves uh, in the, the thick of league play there. And uh, on for Sunflower League and baseball, Free State 
uh, is just a one loss team. And, you know, they, they have that where they're in the, the, the West side of the, the, the bracket, but they're, uh, right there and, and kept themselves tied with, uh, Olathe South that started out nine and oh, but, uh, just lost one to, to Olathe North. So, uh, between, uh, those three teams, uh, should be pretty competitive, uh, for the Sunflower League title this year. Good stuff on the diamonds. And then you got on the pitch in, in soccer, um, you know, we're getting closer to the, to the determinants of league champions. Some nice stories from my area. Casey Piper is off to a great start. Uh, one of the best starts the program has, has really had. They're nine and one right now. Uh, Siemens eight and one. Siemens only loss has come to Piper. And then uh, Lansing, you know, they're just five and four, but uh, they're, a, they're a program that hasn't had a whole lot of success. So a five and four record is, is a, a nice turnaround for that program. Uh, those all three of those schools in the United Kansas Conference, and so uh, d- doing some good things there. Washburn Rural continues its beat, and in the Centennial League, uh, they just keep rolling. They picked up a big win over over Hayden Hayden the other night, and so those are some of my uh, my top soccer teams. And the tennis, uh, Mason Casebeer from Washburn Rural is off to a great start, and in golf. Uh, Santa Fe Trails Lane Workman is five for five with titles in, in tournaments this year. I'm going to do a little feature on him next week leading in to uh, to the Hutchinson Invitational. He's going to go down and compete against all the big boys down at the Hutch Invitational. And, and it's shown he can do that. He won the won the Manhattan Invitational, which features some of the top top teams from around this area in the larger schools. And Santa Fe Trail just 3A. But Lane Workman, one of those kids whose talent uh, – Kind of, kind of crosses boundaries, and he's uh, he's had a great year. Shot a 69 yesterday to win Santa Fe Trails home tournament, and, and uh, you know he was a top five placer at state the past two years, and, and has really putting together a nice senior season. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that Hutchinson Invitational as you mentioned, Brent. I'm gonna I'm planning on heading over to that one next Friday. That's a that's April 28th at Cary Park Golf Course, and and uh, largest single day tournament in, in the state. And, and I, I may be understating that. It may be one of the bigger ones in the nation. It's uh, it's always a great one and it brings in teams from, from all across the state and in, in many of the top ones in 6A, 5A, even on down uh, to like the Sacred Heart. And uh, uh, so lo- really looking forward to that. There's another good one. You know, we're taping this on April 20th. Another good one out in Western Kansas today, Dodge City, the Dodge City Invitational at Mariah Hills. and. And it's a little that one's a little later in the season this year. Uh, it typically is kind of an, an early April tournament, uh, but they're they're going today out at, at Mariah Hills and a lot of good teams uh, in that one, like with Bishop Carroll, Derby Hutchinson, Eisenhower, uh, and Heston from the Wichita area, and you've got Garden City and Sacred Heart are out there as well. Uh, so some some good golf tournaments here in the next couple of weeks leading into. Uh, you know, once we flip the, the calendar to May, then you get into the league meets and, and regionals. But, uh, uh, you know, kind of in the Wichita area here, there was a good tournament at, at Wichita Country Club earlier this week on Tuesday, really windy Tuesday, uh, hosted by Wichita Collegiate. And and uh, it was one – May South shot a, t- a 306 team score, won that that tournament by one shot over, over Andover Central. And, and then Andover finished third, and, and they were led by the tournament medalist Aiden, Aiden Wynn, who shot a 74 win. Wynn is just a sophomore, and he's had a really good season so far. One that was his third tournament victory of the, of the season. So uh, he, he's another one of the just many, many good young Wichita area, players in the Wichita area uh, on the course. And and uh, uh, then you know, kind of looking ahead to, to this Saturday on, in tennis, 
you know, this is this season is kind of the bittersweet one because uh, we're losing Wichita Collegiate longtime Wichita Collegiate tennis coach Dave Hawley, who's who's retiring from high school coaching at the end of this at the end of this season, and and this Saturday will be his final uh, Wichita Collegiate Tournament of Champions. Uh, you know, which is scheduled for Saturday, and unfortunately, so are so are temperatures in the 50s. So I would I was hoping Mother Nature would would come through a little better on that. But but that field, that tournament field, is, brings in a lot of the top teams from the state. It'll have uh, Andover Central, Bishop Miege, uh, Hayden, uh, Heston, Independence, Kansas City Christian, uh, Capen, uh, Mason May South, uh, Parsons. Uh, Bishop Carroll, a lot of good teams in that field. So, uh, and what that that tournament really does, and you end up with a lot of head-to-head matchups that that kind of serve as a good good preview of what you might see uh, next month at the, at, the, at the state tournaments. So, so some good events uh, on tap there. And you you, you mentioned soccer, and, and really down here in in the Wichita area, the the five A teams are kind of the ones that have, have risen to the forefront. May South is is sitting at nine and zero, and then uh, Bishop Carroll. Uh, Andover and Andover Central are all eight and one, and, and Bishop Carroll's really had an outstanding season. They they picked up a couple of nice non-league wins here in the last week uh, at, up at Manhattan, and then uh, topped Washburn Rural uh, earlier this week, uh, one to one to nothing, and and so they're having a really good season. And then Andover and Andover Central, who I mentioned, are both eight and one. They play to play tonight uh, at Andover, so uh, so some good good matchups here uh, coming up on the pitch as well. Yeah, just looking at some of my other sports um, and golf. Uh, Garden City's got a really good sophomore golfer in Maddox Shook. Uh, he won the Hayes Invitational on Monday with a 70. Uh, I really expect big things out of him. Um, Garden City lost most of most of his team, and he, as a sophomore, I think I believe he was their only returner. So, uh, you know, already a leader for them just as a sophomore. And then uh, in tennis. Uh, Peyton Ryan was the runner-up last year in, in uh, 3-2-1-A to Nick Grabone from Wichita Collegiate. Um, he's off to a 13-0 start, and I really think he has a, a good shot of, of contending for a state championship again. Obviously, everybody knows about his, his family. Uh, from the basketball side, uh, obviously his older sister is a star at Iowa State and was one of the one of the best players in, in Kansas State high school girls basketball history. And uh, But the the family she obviously Emily was a really good tennis player um his sister Janae uh she she won a state championship for Central Plains as on a doubles team so really good strong tennis background for that family and uh and Peyton might be one of the the best tennis players out of all of them so I really expect him to challenge for state title and then um soccer uh Dodge City uh Took two losses early, but they're on a pretty n- nice run right now. Uh, just improved to eight two and one. Um, they've got a really talented goal scorer and sophomore Jasmine Ruiz. I believe she set the program's uh, school record for goals last year as a, in one season as a freshman, scoring like over twenty. So she had about twenty some goals or something like that, and she's off to another really good start. And uh, and Hayes High Soccer also has a solid team. I believe they're. They're uh, seven and two, so that uh, that kind of covers a little bit more from my area. 
And looking at mine, uh, girls soccer, we were talking uh, on the last podcast, I was uh, building up the matchup between Blue Valley Southwest and uh, Aquinas and how they'd uh, both need to take on uh, rain and state champs uh, two days before, uh, before they'd even get a face, but uh, ends up, both of them end up uh, getting those wins. Uh, Aquinas beat Blue Valley uh, West by a goal. Uh, Blue Valley Southwest beat Bishop Miege uh, 3-0, and so it set up this undefeated matchup uh, between these two teams, and uh, sure enough, they tie. They finish uh, two all, and we don't get an answer for it. They're uh, uh, Blue Valley Southwest eight zero and one right now. Aquinas seven zero and one. There is an asterisk for it though. Might be a little bit in Aquinas's favor because uh, they had to play without forward uh, Sydney Watts uh, for that game. Actually, she's had to uh, miss two games so far and and three before she'll be back. Uh, she went to a uh, U.S. Women's Youth National Team training camp held at Duke University for for a week, and uh, even the Blue Valley Southwest game was a reschedule, and she was hoping she wouldn't have to miss that one, but uh, missed that, uh, missed uh, a game uh, against Ursuline Academy that's on the Missouri side. Uh, <clears throat> that one, they also were two all going into overtime, but they end up get walking away with a three, two win in that one. And then I think they'll, uh, face Capen, uh, tomorrow, uh, before Watts will take back team. And even before she left Aquinas felt like they weren't really playing up to, uh, their potential and where they wanted to be. And somehow they were still, you know, having games where they weren't controlling the action, but still finding a way to get the win, including that win over uh, Blue Valley West. So uh, they're, they're hoping that, you know, maybe as you get these other players figuring out how to step up to get victories while Sydney Watts is away, that'll just help that when she's added back into the lineup that they'll start to, to really start uh, getting things rolling on offense. But here's me talking to Sydney Watts after the Blue Valley West game. Just talk through uh, this game here. Uh, you know, how'd you feel about your team's performance? Um, I think we had some things that we needed to figure out at halftime, and I think that we just we really gritted through it. We didn't have a ton of great opportunities, but I think at the end of the day, it's all about just that one that one chance that puts a score on the board. And I think just at the end of the day, we just put our heads down and fought. A lot of things didn't go our way. There were a couple calls that I think were a little questionable. Uh, we weren't really getting our set pieces together today. So I think that we just had to grind and figure it out. And I think that we did that. And I'm just I'm happy we came away with the win. All right, take me through the goal. Just pretend like I didn't see it because I actually didn't. I was running over <laughs> baseball. Uh, so just walk me through uh, what you saw in that play and what you were able to um, do to put it away. Okay, so here, here's my memory. I, I also sometimes forget. I don't know why. I just get caught up in the game. But Andy Rylance had the ball on her left foot, dribbling down the left side of the field. Um, I made like a little half run between two of the defenders because one was screening in front and one was screening behind. So the long balls and stuff like that, they weren't working. So I found a little gap of space that was open, I believe, right outside of the box. Um, Andy played me a perfect – just little slot through ball with her left foot and then I 
turned, realized I don't think there's anyone close enough to block the shot, so I may as well have a go. And, you know, I did, and I think that ended up working out, so I can't complain too much. Obviously, the EKL is just uh, constantly facing top teams, but uh, getting a win over the reigning uh, 6A champ at a champ versus champ battle has got to be pretty good. What does it mean to, to be able to get this win over Boo Valley West here early on in the season? I mean, obviously, it feels great. I didn't get to play last year because I hurt my neck, so I had to watch us play, and we barely ended up winning that game, I think, in double overtime. But Blue Valley games are always so fun. I mean, there's five or six of my teammates on this team, so I think it's it's all fun and competition, and we're going at it because I think got a little bit of bragging rights there. So, I mean, the EKL is loaded. For us to get a win like this early on I think is super important, but we still got quite a few games to go. So. You mentioned missing that game last year, and you're going to have a couple games you're not going to be on the field this year. Uh, what's that uh, – going to be like for you is it is it going to be constantly checking in or are you going to be calling them immediately after games to give them uh you know uh just tips and uh i, I don't even know i assume there's an fhs where you can watch some live stream of it yeah um i for sure i'm going to be checking in for the southwest game i didn't even know our game got rescheduled until like the other day i just found out like last week that i was going to miss it i was pretty bummed about that because Southwest is always such a competitive game, and, like, it, it's one you want to be in in the high school sort of, like, aspect. But absolutely, I'll be checking in. I'm curious as to who's going to play forward and just a ton of different things. I think it's going to be awesome to see how these girls work together. All right, you guys have already started the year uh, playing really strong. What's the key for you guys to, to maintain this level uh, throughout EKL play and try to uh, get a, another conference title? Um, I would say to play within ourselves. I think we all – each individually have massive strengths and I think if we just if we take advantage of those and we roll with each other and believe in each other and keep each other's spirits high I think we could do some pretty good things but again there's there's a lot of times in games during the season that people get down so I think at the end of the day it's about doing what you can do for the team and lifting your teammates up how exciting is it for you to you know you're gonna miss a couple games of the team but get to play in some some pretty fun games uh as you uh, go for this next little stint here oh it's it's i'm super pumped i'm a little i'm a little nervous obviously i think going into that atmosphere is a little scary for anyone but you know i think i've tried to prepare myself as well as i can so we'll see what comes about and i'm just i'm so grateful for the opportunity that i've been given awesome. thanks for talking with me congrats on the win Uh, another one, you know, I'm going to build up the next one and see, hopefully I don't cause this one to be a tie, uh, but for top spot in the Frontier League, Baldwin and Spring Hill uh, right now uh, are at the top. Uh, really big, both got really big wins over Lewisburg, uh, which is 7-3 and three right now to, to, to keep them in the, the top spot for the Frontier League, and uh, they'll face off on April 25th, so uh, cross your fingers, we get a final score that puts one team over the other. I don't care which one, but I'm not a big fan of ties. Uh, and that'll be a, a fun one to see uh, here soon. Uh, looking at some uh, other sports, we have, uh, I believe it was uh, golf that, uh, you know, we, we were talking about some really low scores uh, at the uh, – 
Blue Valley, Blue Valley Northwest, Lionsgate Invitational, and uh, some of those scores. You know, I thought one was interesting was Thomas Gogol for Shawnee Mission East uh, had so many teammates come through, and they had such low scores, and he ends up finishing in 17th place there, which it was still he shot a 74. But it was interesting. He's a guy who finished top five at state last year. So I wondered what he'd do as they get going here. And, uh, in the second round of the sunflower league, uh, he ends up being the, the medalist taken, uh, gets a 68, uh, and, and helps lead Shawnee mission East to a two ninety score, uh, 13 strokes ahead of Olathe Northwest and, uh, Olathe West that had, uh, gone really strong in that uh lions gate invitational finished third with a, a 314 so uh, a lot of really good uh scores there same in the the ekl uh they have uh early on uh carson baker uh was the one who won that uh lions gate invitational and he ends up uh holding first in uh the second leg of the EKL as well. Uh, he ends up tying though with Riley Johnson of Blue Valley Southwest and that helps Blue Valley Southwest hold on to that top spot. Uh, they got a 303 Blue Valley West and Blue Valley North one stroke behind at a 304 and not too far back St. James Academy and Blue Valley Northwest at a 309. So uh, EKL really shaping up uh, to be really tough in, in golf uh, this year. So, uh, looking at those really excited to, to, to get out there and I'm going to need to, uh, see a few of those in person. Cause it's one thing to watch and, and see all these really low scores from these guys, but I need to get out there and see a few of these guys get those, uh, sub seventies. Cause it's always fun to watch those in person. Yeah. I'm hoping to see some of that at the, uh, Topeka West invitational coming up this week. Uh, it kind of, they hold it in conjunction with the city tournament. So, City tournament's a 27-hole event. They they play nine holes in the morning, and then the rest of the field joins. And last year we had guys like Patrick Neal of Olathe North and some of the top guys from the Kansas City metro area with the, a lot of the top players from the Topeka area. So I'm going to be out at that one on Monday looking forward to that. And uh, and the, the spring season is, is really ramping up. Uh, the weather permitting, we'll be able to see some great stuff over the next few weeks. And on our next podcast, in two weeks, we'll uh, we'll already be turning our attention to some state uh, activities that are coming up. Uh, state tennis will be held May 12th and May 13th, so we'll start uh, looking a little ahead to, to what's going to lie at those state tennis meets. Class 6A will be held in Cossover in Topeka. Class 5A will be held in Arc City. Class 4A in Pratt. And then the Dave Hawley Invitational in Class 321A will be held in Wichita. So, uh, you know, it'll be a nice... Uh, Nice for Dave Hawley to end his career at, in, at home in Wichita uh, and be interested to see how that goes. But uh, I, it, if it goes as it, as it usually does, uh, it'll be a, a nice send-off for, for Coach Hawley, who uh, obviously one of the most successful coaches in the state in any sport and, and believe he has more state titles than any coach in, in state history um, with the number that he has. I believe it's, what, 53, Scott? Something? Somewhere right up in that number. Yeah, or maybe upper fifties. I somebody said throughout fifty nine the other day. I'm not. I don't have it in registered in my head. But yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. So uh, we'll be looking ahead to to state tennis and maybe even some state swimming uh, in our next podcast and really devote some time to to those two sports and then touch on the rest of the spring sports. So uh, tune into us and in, again in two weeks and for 
Mac Moore, Scott Pass, and Ricky Peterson. This is Brent Maycock saying thanks for tuning in.